I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Resource. You're listening to Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And Jay, good morning. Good morning. We are talking about the danger report today. This was this was news to me. I didn't know what the danger report was until you mentioned it to me a short while ago, but found it online. It's a very interesting read, especially if you're in the real estate industry, almost exclusively if you're in the real estate industry. But there's a lot to take away from this as a consumer, too. So we're going to talk about what the danger report is and what it means for you in today's episode. I, I think, I think frankly, Gabe, there's a lot of industry prof- professionals that don't know this exists. And I think... It's safe to say that like 99% of consumers don't know that this exists. Oh, sure. But um, it's definitely it's definitely interesting, intriguing, um, and it's kind of a sign of the times. Okay, so let's start off by just saying, what is, what is the danger report? Well, it's funny <laughs> that you should ask. It is a definitive analysis of negative game changers emerging in real estate games. That's exactly what it is. And that's the acronym DANGER? That's the DANGER acronym. So there may have been a bit of forcing the verbiage (laughs) to meet the intended acronym. I like the game changer is the G. Game changer. That's okay. I'll give them a pass on that. Anyway, I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you there. But no, that's what it is. Um, In short, uh, Stefan Swanpole and his company, uh, commissioned by the National Association of Realtors, released the danger report in two th- 2015. So this isn't new, new either. This has been around no, for a while. No, no. Uh, about midway through 2015 is when this released um, to uh, a bevy of criticism. Um, some people silently nodding like, yeah, I see it. I get it. Um, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's an industry report um, of trends, which is what St- Swan Pole's company does. If you know anything about him, he releases annually the trends report, which talks about the real estate industry. He, he releases another report of the most influential people in real estate, you know, coaches, broker owners, franchise executives, uh, you know, all different types of influencers within the space. So this is like a yearly checkup on the real estate industry, but this one specifically is all about bad things, right? Yeah. All about things that threaten real estate. But basically, Swan Paul made his name predicting trends, you know, calling trends before they happened. Okay. And he's, he's built a very good company. Um, has been, been somewhat of an Oracle of sorts, uh, following the real estate space. And, NAR came to him and said, we see some things happening in our membership. Okay. We'd like to commission a study. And a lot of it was kind of negative. A lot of it was kind of negative in what, what came out from the study, the research done. So NAR commissioned this search, but how'd they come up with the information? So how does, how does the, how did the researching body come up with what are the things that are affecting real estate? Who do they ask? They survey broker owners. They survey the same influential influential types uh, that I mentioned before. You know, tech company owners, 
places, people like like Zillow uh, and their leadership, truly a uh, you know different referral agencies and brokerages and uh, all different types of people, through, they, all the way down to the agent level, you know, trainers and coaches, things like that. People that are kind of boots on the ground day, gotcha. day to day. Okay. So like I said, I'd never heard of this. So I gave it a read. If you're, if you're not familiar with the danger report, like I wasn't, you can just go to dangerreport.com. It's a free download there where you can check it out. Uh, but it's broken into five categories of who it affects, right? So we're talking about agents, brokers, the NAR at large, and each category gets 10, the 10 dangers that are the biggest threat, I guess, that they decided, and they're broken down one through 10. So I want to talk today, especially about ones that affect agents and brokers, since we're kind of in that camp. And some of them are, you know, this is not a boring read either. This is, this is easy reading because they're pretty spicy topics that they are throwing out there. You know, some of them are pretty glaring accusations too of the industry i was kind of shocked to read some of these it's kind of like daytime television for real estate people is that you right <laughs> it's, it's soap opera okay. soap opera real estate so one of the, okay so let's jump right into it talking about agents the number one re, the number one threat facing agents i'm paraphrasing here but it basically says that a mass of marginal unqualified agents flooding into the industry are tarnishing the reputation of good agents. That's pretty incisive. Like, so what do you say to that? Uh, I see it. I see it. It's easy to paint with a broad brush here, Gabe. There are hordes of unqualified agents in the business. Low barriers to entry at the state level in most states allow for unqualified agents to come into the business. Okay. Real estate is an industry, specifically residential, where you leverage relationships. The number one criteria that most consumers cite is trust. You know, when selecting a professional to represent them, it's not industry knowledge. It's not experience. Although those those things come to the top of the list, but they, they get exceeded by trust level. So who do you trust? You trust people you know. You trust people that you have a pre-built relationship with. And therefore, low barriers to entry make real estate an enticing second gig uh, side hustle, whatever you want to call it for people that just aren't all that qualified, frankly. So the bottom of the market is really wide as far as agents go. There's a lot, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of agents out there that operate below what we would call a productive agent environment. Like part-time agents, part-time agents. And there's nothing wrong with part-time agents. If you're qualified, you have to, like anything else, you got to take pride in your craft, but they're, are agents that we encounter on a daily basis that, you know, we end up doing their job for them, right? We end up doing their job for them. And you wonder like, how do they leave their clients operating in the space with such little guidance? And that's something, I mean, it's true. Like you said, we see it all the time. Everybody has, has had experience with agents that are not as experienced as they are. But I've always had this idea that you know, unexperienced agents aren't a bad thing. It makes the good agents look better. But this report seems to say that all these bad agents are pulling everyone down. Which way is it? it it's not inexperienced, Gabe. I take, I take issue with inexperience as a younger real estate professional myself, having been once a very young real estate professional. Um, I take issue with inexperience because it doesn't take experience to be successful. It takes work ethic. It takes talent. It takes, you know, desire. Okay. And not to make it like 
kind of all subjective and fuzzy around the edges here, but like there are lots, tons of great, fantastic, credible, pick whatever superlative you want to pick, relatively inexperienced agents that are all of those things. It's just there's a whole bunch of ones that are not. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. And what the danger report goes on to say is that those agents hurt the credibility of those that are very qualified. Okay. The ones that are formidable, the ones that represent their clients, you know, with a high degree of integrity and capability. And like you said, I mean, is this mainly because the barrier to entry in real estate is so low? I mean, it's not necessarily about inexperience, but people that necessarily aren't geared to be super successful are able to get in on the ground floor. You know, we know that, you know, what's the, I don't know the percentage. I know we don't quote percentages a lot, but so many new agents that are out of the business in their first three years. I mean, that's not all due to inexperience. Some people just aren't as equipped as others, I guess. 97% failure rate in five years, according to national association of realtors. Gotcha. 97% failure rate. So three out of three out of your, Real estate class of 100 will not be in the business in half a decade. Now, that's not just because of you know not being equipped. The report goes on to talk about other threats that those agents face. Absolutely. One of those is teams, agent teams, like we're an agent team within brokerages. And it says that it threatens the survival of independent agents and brokerages. I mean, is that true? It absolutely does. It absolutely does because a well-oiled team, a collective of qualified people can outperform an individual without fail. Yeah. Now there are bad teams and very qualified independent, you know, exclusive agents outperform a bad team. Well, let me read you what this says verbatim. So I'm reading it from the danger reports kind of synopsis of these. It says teams cannibalize brokerage companies by siphoning off their profits, leaving them exposed to all the risks. Like that's, I mean, that's really you know, loaded language that they're using, siphoning off their profits and cannibalize brokerages. It's a little dramatic. The whole thing has a little bit of drama, but yeah, there's a ton of drama. Swan Pole's trying to sell books. Look, it's a free PDF download, yeah. but you can pay him 119 bucks for a hard copy. If you oh, want. sure. I mean, I'm sure he would prefer that you do that. Here's the thing, Gabe. It's not a hundred percent true. We don't, we don't speak in absolutes. I think I said that last week. We don't speak in absolutes, but I don't ignore, I don't ignore trends either. Big teams, can threaten the profitability of the brokerage model, which is why you're seeing the advent of the team brokerage. Okay. In essence, a brokerage made up solely of one team, which, which may get a little confusing to our, our consumer listeners, but in essence, a team leader is a broker within a brokerage. Now they may not have the state title and the responsibility to the regulatory agency, but they act as a leader. They act as a confidant. They act, act as the qualified professional at the top of the food chain. And what ends up happening is when they, they control a large segment of a air quotes brokerages revenue, then they have the ability to negotiate better deals and better deals and better deals with that broker because that broker can't afford to lose them. So, have you ever heard the term become a broker to become broker? No. You ever I heard that? That's funny. Okay. Well, that's one of those adages that you hear in the industry. A lot of people would say that the best money is made being a highly productive salesperson in the real estate, residential real estate space. So, and, and it's not completely untrue, but there's still a place for a quote unquote broker to lead large teams and be profitable, but the margin is getting thinner. Like I said, we don't speak in absolutes. There's 
the, the team is not going to destroy as we know it, the brokerage and, and the language is, is, you know, kind of inflammatory for effect here in the danger report, but the trend's happening. So, and so we talk about unqualified agents, we talk about teams taking over, but just in general, another thing on the danger report is that the agent centric model, as, as they call it, is just kind of fading away that the real estate world that's focused on the agent is going to be no more tomorrow. I mean, what does that even mean? I'm glad you asked. We talked about leverage being a central theme to this podcast. Okay. We're going to talk about leverage over and over and over again. Originally, the residential real estate space was was a broker-centric model. The advent of different technologies, the internet, allowing listings to be distributed widely spread first to agent and broker networks and now consumers. Um, first, the broker-centric model went away and morphed into an agent-centric model because no longer could the brokers hold all of the listing inventory. About the only place that you can find a more broker-centric model and even a more agent-centric model now would be in like New York City, like Manhattan specifically, because of the lack of a centralized MLS system where, you know, essentially four large brokerages have been able to hold so much inventory within their own ranks and cooperation between them that it's almost it's almost very, very difficult to exist as a highly productive agent if you're not a, a member of one of those four brokerages. Gotcha. Okay. So, but that model has long since gone by the wayside um, in the rest of the United States. Yeah. I mean, not every market is New York City. So. No. Well, and Manhattan is an island with a very finite and small amount of real estate that's worth a whole lot of money. And it, it's it's been able to remain captive. Um, for longer. And it is more of an agent centric model where the agent drives the moves the needle probably more than the brokerages do, but the brokerages still have a lot of control. Um, and the consumer is yet to be able to catch up. I mean, the point is it's so exclusive. You have to pay crazy amounts of money. H- here's the thing. The rest of America has been an agent centric model for a long time. And that is based on the premise of leverage because the broker who ha- used to hold, hold the keys to the castle has had to employ agents for leverage. And those agents consistently, consistently chipped away at the earning potential of the broker, quote unquote, air quotes, <laughs> air quotes, um, until companies like Remax came along, you know, and Dave Linegar said, I upped mine, now up yours. Take, let's let that sink in for a minute. No, he was talking about his commission splits, right? Because the the, the broker centric model was 50-50 and there was nothing else until Leniger, um introduced a hundred percent concept, right? And and it's just it just keep going. The advent has continued it's continued to go roll along. Now the agent no longer matters so much as the consumer matters because of the availability of information. It sounds like all of this really just boils down to the world of real estate is changing. I mean, like big surprise over 20 years, it's changed. The industry used to have all of the information and you had as a consumer to talk to a professional that was in the know. No longer. To perfect your purchase. And then the internet happened. And then the internet happened. 
And the time, st- like the sands of the hourglass, right, um, started slipping away and the agents lost control of the information. It goes back to our episode about Zillow. That's what all these agents and brokers are up in arms about. They don't like Zillow because the Zillow, Zillow distributes the information that, that, that they'd like to remain having a stranglehold over. Everything you're saying is exactly where I'm going when we get back from the break. Data, technology, the internet, how it affects personnel, how it affects brokerages. We're going to talk about all that when we come back. Let's take a quick break. All right, we're back, and I want to switch gears a little bit. We we spent the first part of the podcast talking about how personnel, how agents almost in particular, are creating threats to the industry. But let's talk about something that's, <clears throat> excuse me, out of people's hands a little bit. It's technology, right? So in the broker section of the danger report, it talks about how one of the big dangers facing the real estate industry right now is that technology is kind of like a runaway train. It actually uses the words runaway train and says that the cost of having the most relevant tech and the most relevant data sources for consumers is going to outweigh its effectiveness. And soon it will cost too much to stay caught up. So what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to be tech forward or are you supposed to lay off of tech? What's the answer? You know, there's a lot of really nice insights in the danger report. You got some more drama here for the sake of it. But Let's look at what happens when technology proliferates, right? Technology is introduced. It's amazing. It's game-changing. It's expensive. Yeah. And then it becomes inexpensive. And it becomes normal. And it becomes commonplace. And what we understand is is that two technology companies, widespread adoption – and low cost is the most profitable way to enter the space, any space, any business, any technology in any industry, right? Like, you know, the first flat screen TV was $85,000. And now you can wow. pick one up. No, I don't know. I'm just, I make that up. Okay. Okay. But now it's two, there, there's a hundred of them on the wall at Walmart for 299 bucks. To your point, I remember my dad telling me stories about buying his first VCR and it was $450. Yeah, you can ridiculous. get it at a yard sale for 50 cents now. That fax machine that my dad was talking about that was so exciting was probably like a grand or something. Wow. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I, here's the thing. I don't think technology is going to become too expensive, but it may be somewhat of a runaway train because it's not going to stop. It's going to continue to revolutionize our industry. And it doesn't just talk about being able to keep up with paying for tech. It also says that once you get too many data sources out there that are easy for consumers to access on their phone, there's going to be conflicting information and it's going to get to the point where they're not looking for, you know, an agent to call on. They, you know, all the information at their fingertips and a big challenge will be that not all of it will be accurate. So again, that's where I differ. I think that's exactly where an agent, the agent sweet spot has become. It's how to cut through the noise for the consumer. It makes me think of the Zestimate. There's a per- it's, it's absolutely the Zestimate. It's a, the perfect example. Okay. The consumer needs a way to verify. If, if you look at now, – now, percentages are trending upwards and, and uh, consumers' reliance on internet data, is, it's, it's, it's going up. And, and people are continually – attributing more legitimacy to that information, but they still want a trusted resource to validate. That's why like social proof is really, you know, you, you book an Airbnb and you read like 25 reviews, like the pictures may look great, but you know, the pictures can be a little bit misleading, right? So you read all the reviews and if somebody says it's a dump, you don't book it. So the agent plays the role 
instead of the, the, the information courier like they used to, they become the protector against the bad decision. And all consumers still feel the weight of a real estate purchase. You know, they still have the romance associated with a real estate purchase. This is where my, I'm going to bring my, my, my children home from the hospital to. This is where, you know, we're going to throw the graduation party. You know, this is where I'm going to watch my daughter walk out the front door on her first date. So the human element always has a place. The human element will has and will always have a place in the consumer's decision. And the agent is now the keeper of that experience. We know people pay for experiences. True. People pay for experiences. And so that's what the agent has become. That's what the agent will continue to be. And there will continue to be a disparity between the agents that can provide it and the ones who can't. And those who have the resources, Gabe, they'll succeed at a higher level. Okay. And I think you, what you'll find is goes on in the danger report to say that commissions will be concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. True. Yeah. So, and that's no different than the team proliferation. And that's probably why the barriers to entry will, will incline. You think they will? And they should. They, I mean, I agree they should, but do you think they will soon? So, so let's talk about barriers to entry. It's not that hard to spend 90, 90 hours in a classroom and pass a test and pay a few hundred bucks in fees to become a quote unquote real estate agent. Um, I would almost argue that you're not really in the business until you, until you last one year. And you know how many agents, the ones that are mentioned and referenced in this danger, danger report, they're gone in 12 months, man. We know, we know that 97 out of a hundred are gone in five years. So lasting becomes a barrier to entry. Success is that much more difficult while it's still to, to get ink on your license to be dry is easy. And that's getting harder too. PLE and, you know, oh, yeah. post licensing education that's, that's coming out in most states. Um, the barriers to entry, true barriers to entry are getting harder, but making a, making a successful career of it is getting very hard. So there's the question, make a successful career of it. If the drop-off rate is so high, what are the 3% doing that the 97% aren't doing to withstand all of these dangers that we read about in the danger report? It's pretty simple, Gabe. They are finding ways to engage the consumer where the consumer is. They are taking their fair share of the business that has been neglected by agents previously. I, I guess I should say their unfair share, right? So they're getting their unfair share of the business that's been neglected, the relationships that have been neglected by agents that just assume that their clients would always come back to them. They're employing innovative marketing techniques. They're doing what is necessary to gain an audience with the consumer and they're making the most of it. Now I'm not saying they don't have to thread the needle, right? Like this is not an easy thing to do. You come in here, you're 26, you you know, you decided you're going to be self-employed, you got an entrepreneurial spirit, you don't even mind working really hard, but everybody you know wakes up in the morning and doesn't think about real estate. And even if they do, they don't associate you with real estate. That's a challenge for every new agent. Every new agent, right? So these people are finding creative and nuanced ways and niche ways to penetrate that veil. Well, you said meet the consumer where they are. Where are they? Zillow. On, I was going to say online. So Social media. Close. Well, yeah. I mean, varying statistics from 
97 to 99% I've heard that consumers start their search online. But we also know that there's a long incubation time of people that are quote unquote interested from like a voyeuristic standpoint on real estate before they actually become ready to act. So, so the people that build a brand for themselves in social media on, you know, websites that provide social proof and people that grab eyeballs and ears that's that's where the consumers are, and that's where they're getting the consumers. And I love what you're saying about social proof, too, because it goes back to what we just said a minute ago about how do you compete with tech. I don't think it's an, a new agent's job to try to compete with Zillow as an information provider. You can't be a data resource for the consumer. We talked about the human element. You get in front of the consumer, you can't just be another Zillow or spit facts. I think you have to be able to appeal to people's emotions because buying a house is an emotional decision. We talk about it all the time. You have to have EQ, not just IQ. Right. And so if you can find people where they are and give them something more than just square foot price, price per square foot, and you know, if you can hit them with, this is close to where you like to go to church and this is where you work out and, you know, and I can help you get the life that you want and the goals that you want to reach. I think that's, that's the real thing that insulates agents from the agents that don't make it. I mean, do you think that's on the right track at least? You, you're, you are so spot on because what you're going to see that the danger report doesn't go this far. Okay, it stops at higher commission, higher amounts of commission dollars concentrated into fewer hands. It stops there. What you're going to see, and I'll I'll be so bold to make a prediction, is that the future of real estate becomes the equivalent of the elite, high service, full fee residential real estate practitioner, and a lot of com, uh, consumer self service in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the low end discount transaction broker on the other side of the spectrum. So what you're going to see, I believe, and I would be so bold as to predict it. And a lot of people that agree with me is that the top end service provider tethers themselves to an experience. They hold enough influence and sway over that experience and provide something the consumer deems valuable for maybe even gasp a higher commission than 6%. Oh, gasp. Okay. While there's always going to be the guy on the bus bench that says, I'll list your house for $99. Yeah. The discount, the discount broker. And I'm not hating on them. I'm not. I mean, it's a legitimate business model. It's a legitimate business model. And uh, we are a capitalistic society and I'm a capitalist at heart and rock on. Yeah. Do your thing. That's not me. I'll be the other guy and I'll spend every waking moment in this that I spend at work trying to elevate my service so that it's continually worth more. I like that. Yeah. So here's the, uh, here's the last big question, right? All of this. I mean, if you're a consumer and you're not in real estate and you're listening, you know, what's, what's important about this to you? What is, where should you take away? You should pick your agent wisely, pick your agent wisely. That that's, that's really what it boils down to make your decision based on trust but also verify that there's credibility there because you've heard it a million times. It's the single largest purchase you'll ever make, but it needs to be minded as such. It needs to be, you know, totally kind of procured by the right person because if not, you can make a really bad mistake. Got it. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you one more question. Just to, I just wanted to hear this from you. Is there anything in this report that we talk about a lot of this stuff before. I mean, we've had conversations about the marginal agents 
and about teams. Is there anything in here that was news to you that you weren't expecting to be a danger to the industry? Honestly, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've been saying a lot of these things for the better part of a decade. And this did come out two years ago. So yeah, two years ago, coming out of the last downturn in the market, the mortgage meltdown and foreclosure crisis, et cetera, I saw from a unique perspective, I saw how fast prices could escalate from being so depressed and demand being so pent up from people not buying, basically not buying houses for six or seven years, how fast it could escalate. And I knew that the large commission dollars, Gabe, let's think about real quick, similar industries to residential real estate sale from a practitioner standpoint. You have your insurance sales, you have your investment um, person with a financial advisor, financial advisor that makes you know, one-to-one or one-to-a-few kind of sales. Consultant type. Consultant type roles. These are roles that that get paid very small sums of commission when they at the point of sale. And they make residual commissions for the life of a the life of a uh, working relationship. Like when you buy a life insurance policy, your guy gets a few cents for ever, as long as you pay your premiums. Makes a very small commission up front. Real estate is not like that. Real estate, you make thousands of dollars with a one shot. Okay. That, there's a ton of allure there for people to enter the space for the wrong reasons. And when the market gets good, we've talked about before, Agents entering the industry and leaving the industry lags the turn from a good market to a bad back to a good. Oh, I'm sure those those charts probably you lay them on top of each other and they're exactly the same. It's insanity. It's insanity when you see the fact that sales are falling off a cliff, but yet agents are still rushing in. Okay, I think we've talked about this before, and you use like sheep running off a cliff, kind right. of that kind of thing. They don't even see it coming. Not man. until it's too late. They don't even see it coming. So I knew this was here. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to get worse. Okay, it, it's it's always been kind of bad these things because of those those simple facts, right? Like even in down markets, you can sell a two hundred thousand dollars house, make six grand. Where else are you going to put six grand in your pocket that fast? You know, and two hundred is about a median price nationwide. So, um, I saw it coming. I wish I could say I didn't. If there's one thing I would cite, it's that the the danger that people see in the IRS uh, threatening, if you will, to take away the independent contractor status of agents. That's oh really, yeah, that's really kind of interesting. And there's too many variables to really call that. But in essence, the the agents being called more more like like employees being characterized as employees instead of self-employed self-employed people rather than self-employed people. And the IRS is apparently taking a closer look at that, but um, no discussion for another day discussion for another day, buddy. I I, I saw, I saw this stuff coming. Well, next week we're going to talk about millennials in the home buyer market. We talked a little bit about that. Sellers too. Oh, and sellers. We, I forgot. We did talk about the the world. Millennials rule the world. That might be the title of next week's episode. That's what we're going to talk about when we're back. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Resource. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to Resource. If you find this info valuable, we'd love to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your new episodes. It helps new listeners find us, and we want to hear your feedback and ideas for future topics. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, find us on social media, and make sure to tune in next time for more real talk about real estate. Thanks.